0: Have you ever been to a detention facility? I haven't, but I have an idea of what to expect. Three meals a day, books, exercise in the fresh air, and conversations with cellmates. It's like an indoor summer camp, but the people and living conditions are far harsher, and you don't necessarily get to go home at the end of summer. Hello everyone, this is Russian Limbo, a podcast about some of Russia's most notorious pre-trial detention facilities, or more simply, jails. These institutions house people who are not yet convicted, but have been charged with a crime. Sometimes people are kept in these facilities for years, and yet few people know what it's really like inside one. In fact, what happens in a Russian detention facility usually stays there, only to be known to the guards and the detainees, just as is so often the case in the US and many parts of the world. However, Russian limbo is here to change all that. We will explain how pretrial detention facilities work in Russia and bring you the stories of those who have been inside those veiled institutions. We translated the original podcast into English so that a global audience can learn what a Russian pre-child detention facility is, what happens behind the walls of the most infamous locations, and why one should avoid landing in any of them at all cost. More details, photos, videos, and texts can be found on our Patreon page. Your donations will help us improve and expand this project. You'll find a link in the podcast description. We look forward to your feedback. What do we know about Russian pre-trial detention centers? There are some 308 operational facilities. As of January 1st, 2019, they were inhabited by 99,722 people, and it's easy to wind up there. Moscow courts have granted 99% of petitions by prosecutors for the detention terms to be extended. In the regions of Russia, this number amounts to 98%. Seriously, in Russia, it is essentially impossible to be granted house arrest or bail. People are placed in controlled isolation for simply one reason, so that they don't abscond during the investigation or trial. It is both impossible and unnecessary to talk about all of the 308 detention centers, but there are several which have a distinctive story, housing structures built in the 19th century, or adjacent to prisons in which some legendary convicts were held. First up is a prison in St. Petersburg known as Cresti. The music you hear in the background was written by rapper Sergei Kuznetsov, a.k.a. Kent, when he was held in the legendary St. Petersburg Kresti Jail.
1: In 2009,
0: Kuznetsov worked for a furniture production company. Not much for education, he became addicted to drugs. In his own words, he smoked weed used speed, and then turned to harder narcotics. In 2011, he was sentenced to four years and six months in prison under Article 228 in Russia. Nearly a third of all prisoners are convicted under this article about drug possession. In 2019 alone, 78,000 people were sentenced, and 53 law enforcement officers were found guilty of tampering with the evidence. The rapper refuses to confirm the actual reason for his conviction, but while at Christie, behind the fence as they say, He began to write about the zone, which is the Russian slang term for jail or prison, freedom, and organized crime in St. Petersburg. This earned him the respect of other inmates, who even asked him to write some verses and send to family. In 2014, Kuznetsov was let out on parole. It was then he announced the release of his album that had been illegally recorded at Kresti. On Sergei Kuznetsov's social media profile it states, The tracks were created and recorded at St. Petersburg Cresti Prison when I was doing my time. It was all done illegally, and, therefore, the quality of the recordings leaves much to be desired. But this is not important. The main thing is that everyone should be able to feel the emotions experienced by people behind the fence. It might help someone to avoid making mistakes and paying the price. Appreciate freedom. Free air for everyone. Kuznetsov is not the first rapper to produce music in a Russian prison. He is also not the first to dedicate his poetry to Kresti. Over the 200 years of this St. Petersburg prison's existence, many artists, writers, poets, and scientists called this place home at some point. Perhaps the most famous poem to come out of Kresti was written by Anna Akhmatova,
1: renowned poetess of the Silver Age.
0: For Akhmatova, one could say Kresti was a family institution. In August 1921, her husband, poet and historian Nikolai Gumilev, was taken from the St. Petersburg prison to be executed. Then, in August 1938, her son, orientalist and philosopher Lev Gumilev, also found himself in the same detention facility. Anna Akhmatova's life and poetry of an era gone by remain as testaments to the bondage and destructive power of this prison, which Sergei Kuznetsov's album verifies in this modern age. At the beginning of the 18th century, at the site of the detention facility on Arsenalnaya embankment was the so-called wine town. The exact origins of this name are uncertain, but it comes either from the Russian root for gilt or wine, which, fittingly, are identical in Russian. It was redesigned into a central transit prison in 1868. A few years later, the complex was demolished, and by 1892, a brick prison had been built instead. Kresti, which means crosses, got its name due to the shape of the building, two five-story cross-shaped blocks containing about 1,000 single cells. Thus, Kresti was designed as a solitary confinement jail. Made of dark red brick, it doesn't resemble a prison from the outside at all. In fact, in the early 20th century, it was considered very modern. White walls, wooden floors, windows instead of vent panes. Kresti was the first of the Russian prisons to have electricity. The cells themselves were quite simple. A table, a stool, a bunk, and a shelf with utensils. The door had a small window, The guards would bring food and observe the prisoners through it. Any official reports about Kresti often quote the architect behind the prison, Antony Osipovich Tomyshko. He allegedly said that the cross-shaped building would remind the prisoners of their sins, which would help them to repent faster. But in reality, there is a practical reason for the crucifix design. The guards who occupied one of the two buildings found it easier to watch the prisoners. Maybe that's why in 200 years only one person has ever managed to escape Kresti. The legendary St. Petersburg raider Leonka Pantilev, who, nevertheless, was shot by security officers on the way out. Pantilev is neither the first nor the last to attempt an escape, but usually escapees were detained on Kresti territory, that is, in isolation. During the revolution, Kresti was mostly inhabited by political prisoners, such as Profiri Infantiev, prominent Russian revolutionary Leon Trotsky, Soviet Minister of Education and Art historian Anatoly Lunacharsky, military commander and hero of the Soviet Union Konstantin Rokossovsky, and others. In the early 20th century, Infantiev wrote that it was, a jail with spacious, bright, and extremely clean corridors. There wasn't a single speck of dust, and everything shone. However, by the middle of the 20th century, the cells had ceased to be solitary, each of them crammed with several rows of beds. While the original sanitary environment harmed prisoners who went without meaningful human interaction for a long time, the subsequent cluster conditions created more suffering for prisoners due to overcrowding. By early 1963, Nobel Prize winner in literature Joseph Brodsky found himself in Cresti. Here's what he had to say about the prison in an interview with Solomon Volkov. Visually, Cresti is a tremendous scene. I don't mean the courtyard, because it is pretty trivial. Actually, I didn't get to see it much when working in the morgue. But the inside view, because this prison was built at the end of the 19th century, and it's not exactly Art Nouveau, but still, all these galleries, springs, wire, just like the work of the Italian architect Piranesi. Absolutely, sort of a la Russe. No, not a la Russe, rather a German tendency like an old factory, red brick just everywhere. In 2015, by what would have been Brodsky's 75th birthday, prison authorities found the cell where the poet had served his time. Some journalists said that there was a nice view from it. Oh, and in that same year, a student tried to smuggle amphetamine into Cresty detention facility with a remote control toy helicopter, if you can believe it. In the 90s and 2000s, the prison deteriorated. Crowded in hot cells are simply dangerous for inmates. The European Court of Human Rights fined Russia $7,500 for keeping a Nigerian citizen in torturous conditions. By the beginning of the 21st century, Kresty Detention Facility had become one of the most famous pre-trial detention centers in Russia. On social media and on websites dedicated to prisons, it is written that those who have passed through Kresti are sometimes called pachan Aka Goomba, Bull Goose, or Kingpin, that is authority figures amongst prisoners. However, many of those who did their time there laugh at this obsolete title. In the 2010s, due to the simplified access to information and the work of the human rights community, the public learned about high profile cases and deaths amongst the inmates. In 2011, Novaya Gazeta wrote about the case of Sergei Konovalov. He ended up in Kresty detention facility. On February 2nd of that year. Just two days later, on February 4th, he was found dead with a noose around his neck. Earlier, the investigative committee opened a criminal case against him for sexual assault. This is one of the numerous cases of suicide amongst those charged with this article. It was at Cresti that an American accused of pedophilia was found dead. Another high-profile incident happened in July 2015. St. Petersburg resident Yevgeny Romanov was detained because he was allegedly drunk in the street. During the personal search at the police station, the police officers found a plastic bag filled with drugs. Romanov claimed that the prohibited substances had been planted, since during the first inspection on the street, the police had found nothing. Romanov was sent to Kresty on suspicion of drug trafficking, and five months later he died. Cause of death, heart failure, and arrhythmia. Romanov was found guilty in late 2017, but the case was dismissed because of his passing. Romanov's mother sought justice. She believed that the doctors failed to diagnose his heart disease and prescribed strong antipsychotics, which amplified the underlying condition. Only in 2019 did the mother of, of the deceased prisoner win damages in the amount of half a million rubles against the infirmary of the Federal Penitentiary Service of Russia. Even President Vladimir Putin has noted that teeth are extracted without the use of anesthetics in this facility. We talked to members of the Public Monitoring Commission and the human rights activists who visited Cresty in the 2000s and 2010s. Today, former police officers push human rights defenders out of the public monitoring commissions, particularly those whose activities have led to the disclosure of torture in prisons. Here's what some of the human rights defenders who are now barred from entering these prisons say about Kresti.
1: Hi, Kosarevska.
0: Yana Kosarevska was a member of a PMC from late 2016 to the end of 2019. She documented the use of electricity and torture methods that have been applied to Russian Antifa members convicted on the trumped-up network case.
1: The first time I visited Kresti was more than three years ago. Back then, we arrived due to a problematic and unconfirmed report that a person was allegedly being tortured. But we couldn't go farther than the administrative building. The warden of Cresti told us that the person wasn't being held in the facility. But we saw the administrative building with portraits of Cresti's wardens from over the last hundred years, while the portrait of the warden who worked there in the 30s, the Great Terror Period, was expressly missing. After that, we used to visit Cresti quite often the detention facility is conveniently located in the city center. When we went inside where inmates stay, they told us a ridiculous legend that the architect who built Cresti is in cell 1000. He was locked and bricked up so there are only 999 cells. We noticed violations from the start and there were many. Generally, in my experience, it is impossible to come to a place of forced detention and not to see violations. Sometimes they are necessary, sometimes not because following the law in Russia is often impossible. Old Kresti was a disaster. Almost all cells were of eight square meters, and in these eight square meters, four strangers lived and had to remain together all the time. Such a room is smaller than most bathrooms, especially in the US. Of course, there is no hot water, and according to the internal regulations, there should be different small tables and additional benches that don't even fit into the cell. A petition of grievances is not kept, and we tried to bring this up from the very beginning. There was a psychiatric ward, which now exists in New Cresti, too. But the PMC members have not been allowed there. They also haven't been allowed in the facility outside the hours. This was always suspicious and quite scary.
0: In the 2000s, it was decided that the inhabitants of Cresti should be removed to allow for the construction of a bigger prison which would accommodate 4,000 people on the outskirts of St. Petersburg. Construction commenced in 2007. The prison department proudly announced that the new Cresty would be the largest pre-trial detention center in the world. By 2017, the construction had ended and the prisoners were moved out of Cresty. Here's a fragment of a short TV news episode on the opening of the new Cresty detention facility. By
1: opening the sliding bolts, the warden seems to lift the veil of secrecy over the interior of the new cells. 30 square meters, almost a studio apartment, there is a refrigerator and a TV set, judging by the size of which it was transferred from the old Cresti jail, a separate toilet. Compared with the old Cresti, the new detention facility can be granted several stars.
0: The jail in Colpina was built in the image of Old Cresty, but in line with Western prison standards, with spacious cells. Representatives of the Federal Penitentiary Service explained the preservation of the cruciform shape of the building as a matter of concern for the welfare of all prisoners. Quote During daylight hours, the sun unfailingly attends all inmates, said the agency. Despite the comfort of the new pre child detention facility, there have been reports of torture. In August 2019, a large-scale inspection of Cresty 2 began after the human rights organization Gulag.net published a secret video in which two men beat an arrestee with a stick and demanded 20,000 rubles from him. The victim's claims of brutality made it to the local prosecutor's office. However, investigators concluded that the video had been fabricated and the victim had been allegedly smeared with red paint. But the three men in the video were charged with extortion now the founder of gulag.net, is forced to live abroad. Here's what Jana Teplitskaya says about New Kresti. She was also a member of a PMC from 2016 to 2019. Before she was deprived of access to penitentiaries, she published a report, the name of which can be shortened to, quote, How the FSB Conducts Torture. The authors of the research collected medical reports and petitions, among other things. This is the first comprehensive document on torture by the FSB, which is Russia's state security and intelligence service, and is the successor to the KGB.
1: Almost all the new cells of Kresti house four people. That is, of course, much better than in other detention facilities. There is less space for violence in this situation. We have seen an endless number of stories of violence in the Gorilova detention facility number 6, located in the Leningrad region. There are cells for more than 100 people and all sorts of horrible things happen. Massive torture by the so-called activists, inmates who at the request of the prison administration beat other inmates to obtain the desired information for the jailers. After the inspection, the arrested admit to beating another inmate. On the other hand, the new Cresti has seen new cases of violence, unfortunately. Modern confinement conditions, larger cells, more space, and video surveillance are just not enough to prevent this and don't guarantee anything. And for the record, there are not that many video cameras at Cresti, and when convenient, they cut out. For example, we fought for quite some time for improved detention conditions of immigrants from Central Asia, the defendants in the case of terrorist attacks in St. Petersburg. The evidence basis was highly controversial, and the defendants were persistently kept in cells with broken video cameras. The lack of video surveillance was used for provocations against them. We filed a lawsuit against the prohibition on questioning defendants about the torture. For some reason, Cresti has a strange attitude to cells. There's a special unit where inmates are kept in solitary confinement. People are placed there for so-called bad behavior. Sometimes it means that a person filed a lot of complaints. Sometimes it happens at the request of the investigators. And sometimes it has something to do with the crime. In general, some people who, according to the administration, need to be closely watched are placed in segregation where they stay in solitary confinement. Again, there is no hot water and no video cameras.
0: There are no more inmates in the Old Cresti at the moment. City authorities are still discussing what to do with this cultural heritage site. Perhaps Cresti will face the fate of the no less legendary Butilka Naval Prison now located on the New Holland Island, a mecca for St. Petersburg hipsters. Cells were turned into showrooms and cafes. Prisoners were replaced with fashionistas, tourists, and foreigners. Moscow wants to exploit the experience of St. Petersburg. There are plans to move the arrestees from the Butyrka and Matroskaya Tishina pre-trial detention facilities to new centers in the suburbs. Prisons in the centers of large cities may soon disappear entirely. Interestingly, the deputy director of the Federal Penitentiary Service of Russia was charged with kickback schemes amounting to 44 million rubles during the construction of Kresti II. The accounts chamber claimed the inefficient use by the Federal Penitentiary Service of Russia of more than $20,000, including through the construction of New Kresti. This lack of control was not surprising because, back in the day, two convicts escaped from the construction site itself. In the next episode, we will talk about Butyrka, Moscow's oldest prison, which has been expected to move out of the center of the Russian capital for five years now. The conditions are not great. The roof leaks, the walls are covered with mold, cells are so overcrowded that the arrested are placed in the tower that is 250 years old. We will explain who, and how, escaped from Butyrka and bring you to the story of lawyer Sergei Magnitsky, which began at Butyrka, and eventually influence the relationship between the U.S. and Russia. This has been Episode 1 of Russian Limbo, a program dedicated to Russia's most famous detention facilities and the stories from behind their walls. Russian Limbo is written by Alexei Yuratayev, narrated by Matthew Orr, produced by Dmitry Okrest and Maria Chernyk, and translated by Valeria Khotena. This program is sponsored by the Human Rights Project, Team 29, and the historical project about Russia in the 90s entitled It Collapsed. For more details, including links, photos, and stories, please visit our Patreon page. You will find the link in the podcast description. Your donations will help us continue bringing new stories and sounds from Russia's prisons. Tell your friends and relatives about the Russian Limbo podcast, because no one knows when and in what circumstances they might find themselves arrested. It is worth it to be prepared. Please rate this episode and leave your comments in the Apple Podcasts and on other podcast applications. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the Slavic Connection podcast. A fresh talk show on events in the Slavic world and beyond. Find us at slavxradio.com.
1: Russian Limbo is hosted and distributed by the Center for European Policy Analysis. To learn more, visit CEPa.org.